0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. We are continuing in 2 Corinthians this morning, so if you have your Bibles, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, And if you are able, stand for the reading of the word. My Bible now opens to 2 Corinthians all the time. Because we are just here. (laughs) Um, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father, you know where we are this morning. You know what we bring in this room You know the secrets in our hearts, the joys in our lives, and I ask that we would be open to everything that you might do, and that you would be lavish on us this morning as we hear your words and as we seek to become more like you. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There is a lot here, (laughs) and what do you start with? Do we do the third heaven? (laughs) Or do we do man? Paul repeating that a man doesn't know if he's in his body or not in his body? Or do you go right for the grace, which is what we all know? (laughs) And I am going to go with boasting on this one. That's going to be our entry point. Hopefully you'll see why. For the last two chapters, Paul has been discussing this concept of boasting. And I don't know about you, but for me... When I hear boasting, it's like not a positive thing. I think of like a guy I went to school with who every time he would raise his hand, it was like he was reading from the dictionary. Like every, every time he would think of every single ten-syllable word that he knew. And it's like, okay, let's talk normal here. Like no one knows what you're talking about. You probably don't know what you're talking about. And that, to me, is my perception of boasting. It's pride, it's arrogance, like it's it's gross, and you don't want to be around it, and you don't feel good when you do it, because the Lord knows we've all been there. And so the question is that when Paul uses that word, and when we come to it with those, I guess, presumptions, the question is, is it us that has the misconception of it, or is Paul actually doing it? So, usually, like a good trick is you look and see how the author is using it in other places. So, if we look a chapter behind, like before, in 11, this is what Paul says I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me, you would, as a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. And he continues, in this self confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. So, he's equating boasting with foolishness. Like, fully aware of the implication of it. And he continues, and as he goes through his credentials and his list, he says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to be talking like this like parentheses, (laughs) I am more. And so you hear Paul's discomfort with it. So why is he doing it? And again, you need to look at the context. That's usually the answer, by the way. (laughs) So he's acknowledging, especially in this last passage, that there are people who are saying things like, we're Hebrews, we're Abraham's descendants, and those are credentials that people are boasting in, And they're not acknowledging the foolishness of it. And what we need to know is that in this section, Paul is defending his ministry. Like there are people that are against him. Um, He talks about, and, and I guess these are the words that he uses, he's addressing false apostles and deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And I don't think it's a stretch here to see those people kind of as the same ones he's talking about in his boasting. So what we know from the text is that there are people coming into the Corinthians and sharing things that are antithetical to Christ and to the gospel. And it wouldn't be talked about if it wasn't an issue. So these false apostles are promoting themselves. Earlier in the text, Paul says that these people are taking credit for work that they didn't do. They're not people who rightly characterize the person of Christ. They're not servants. They haven't suffered for the cause. And they don't care for the Corinthians like Paul does. And the Corinthians are giving authority to these people. False apostleship, according to Paul. And even more significant is that it's affecting how the Corinthians are viewing Paul. So these people who are coming in and using their credentials to get authority, the Corinthians say about Paul, His letters are are weighty and forceful. But in person, he is unimpressive and he amounts to nothing. Ow. Paul has suffered for these people. Suffered. He's given everything to them and that is what they say. So he confronts this boasting and he says to the Corinthians, you gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. And you can just hear the sarcasm dripping in his words. In fact, you put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. Those are strong words. And then he goes on to boast in the same way that these false apostles are. And he's acknowledging as he's doing that, that it's kind of messed up and it gives false status to someone. And I think Paul acknowledges that when we boast or when we use our accomplishments or success or experiences or power or status, whatever, fill in the blank, as the tool that convinces others of our value and worth as individuals, it is a mark of our deficiency, of our inadequacy and our pride. In boasting, it is the human ego that is speaking that is crying out for affirmation to be fed, to be validated, to be told that these amazing things that we have experienced are actually the most true things about us. And Paul calls it for what it is. It's empty. It's nothing. And he says at the end of this, their end will be what their actions deserve. Which I think is essentially to say that life is never going to come from this. So I work in a call center, Some of you might know that. Wells Fargo, together we'll go far. (laughs) (laughs) And I genuinely dislike my job. And, you know, and so I guess I say that acknowledging that employment is like a big deal. And I'm very grateful to be employed. I don't take that lightly. But I genuinely hate my job. And it's hard to go every day and it's hard to be present, and it's hard to recognize that the 100 people I talk to every day have a story, and that I have the power to influence their day. Because <laughs> sometimes I just want to send you your paperwork and be done. <laughs> and I worked there for four years. So by, by the time like, people come to me, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like it's, I don't think I come across new things very often. And I've learned that some people can be really cool, and some people can be awful, awful. Like, I didn't know you talked to other human beings like that. And I don't, I mean, genuinely, like, I don't really care if people swear at me or if they yell at me. I kind of have developed a thick skin over the years. There is one thing that still, to this day, I have shed tears over, and it's when people talk to me like I'm stupid like I'm nothing. And on Wednesday, this was, well, so I'm talking to this woman, and she's not happy about what I'm saying, which is something that happens. And this is what she said to me. Have you even been trained in your job? And then she says, what level of education have you completed? probably not even past high school. Oh, wait, but you're in a call center, so you probably have a high school degree, but barely. I am in that moment (laughs) right now. And you guys, it was crazy, because my impulse, like, before I even took a breath, was like, oh, no. (laughs) I am in a master's program. And I have worked here for four years, which actually might not be a bad (laughs) honor, But still, she was routed to the wrong queue. I work with complicated plans. She shouldn't have even been talking to me. She was lucky to talk to me. It was boasting, you guys. It was just the hope that What she said about me wasn't true. And what my credentials said about me was true. And it was insane to be writing this sermon literally right before I talked to this woman and to feel myself just, ugh. It was a great moment. (laughs) (laughs) So this concept of boasting is the weight that is being carried into this passage. So as we picked it up in 12, Paul says he's continuing to boast. And so he proceeds by relaying this intense spiritual experience that someone he knows had, in which they were caught up into paradise and all these things. And that feels pretty straightforward. You know, he's talking about his friend. So naturally, when you do something like this, and I tell you guys all these things that I know, (laughs) you do some research and you read some things, And every single commentary I read, from the more conservative ones to the liberal ones, said that in this, I guess, experience that's being relayed, Paul's talking about himself. It's not about a friend. He's talking about himself in the third person. Which is kind of weird. Paul is so serious about not falsely promoting himself That something like this, this spiritual thing, isn't even fair game to talk about. And part of it, what commentators say, is that it's part of the rabbinic tradition that he is a part of, where when you receive a personal revelation that does not, I guess, serve to edify the community, you don't share it. You don't talk about it publicly. What he acknowledges, and within the text itself, he says... That he speaks like this so that the extraordinary nature of the revelation that he was given did not taint the way the Corinthians see him. He wants them to make their judgments of him based on what he does and what he says and not the gift of God that has been given to him. It has nothing to do with Paul's status. And so everything that we've said about boasting and proving ourselves and compensating in my experience, I think is even more elevated when you get into religious circles. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I, don't, I hope I'm not alone in that. And so when we look at these amazing things that God has done and is doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us, it's no wonder that oftentimes when we talk about our spiritual lives, that we define it by those high moments those exciting moments, the unexplainable ones, the transcendent ones, especially if you've grown up or been around evangelical culture, which is my context that I'm coming from. Like, everybody needs a cool conversion story. And honestly, the history of the evangelical moment, movement, it was marked by dramatic, intense conversion experiences in which God's power is on display. And now that's not a bad thing please don't hear that that is something that is not to be boasted in, to be very honest. And Paul even says, you're allowed to boast in these things because they're true. You're allowed to. However, the nature of these spiritual things are not about the recipient. And I think sometimes that human tendency to boast and to wear these things as their identity makes us think that it's actually about us, that it is about the recipient, that we heard right or that we listened right and that God gave it to us, but actually it's about God. So whether or not these intense or dramatic things have happened to you in your walk with God, what I want to say is that it means nothing in respect to your qualification to be a child of God, to belong to God To be in the fold of God and to be adopted as the sons and daughters of God. Adopted. Adopted means that you're chosen. And again, I will repeat myself. It is not to say that those stories that we may or may not have are not brilliant things. There are something to be worn well. But the distinction I'm trying to make is that when we use these moments to base our identity, our worth, our validation, our credential, and our relationship with God on solely those things, that can become problematic. Because if you do that, then the opposite is true as well. So if bad things happen, or hardships, or God's silence, or what seems to be God's inaction at times, that means they're a fair game to define you as well. So what do you do with the hard things, and the suffering, and the failure? How do you hold those? Paul says you boast in them. Which kind of throws a wrench in things and contradicts everything. (laughs) He says you boast in them. You boast in your weakness. Later in chapter 11, Paul goes through this whole list of suffering and awful things that have happened to him. And keep in mind, this is something that's been repeated through this entire, I guess, series in 2 Corinthians, that like, suffering... When you experience hardship, that means God's against you. That means that there's, like, personal failure involved. It is not something to be worn as a badge of honor. Hi, Emily. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I lost my place. It's not something to be a badge of honor. And so Paul begins to talk about this thorn in his flesh that he's been given to keep him from becoming conceited. And there's a lot of guesswork around what this thorn might be, but I don't think it really matters. I think the point is, is that something hurts. And I want you to think about the imagery of a thorn in your flesh. So if you're like me, feel free to close your eyes. This sharp piece that seems to be totally other from you at times outside of you, is embedded in your flesh, almost like it's a part of you. Imagine what it feels like, that pestering, dull pain. It's distracting. Like no matter how hard you try to focus on something else, the task you're doing, a person that you're talking to, you feel it. You sense its presence. It might be messy and infected. It is weakness. The Greek word for weakness, that's translated as that in this passage, is up there, and I'm not going to say it, but I could, so it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> this is the range of meaning of this word: Want of strength, weakness, infirmity. of the body, It's native weakness and frailty. Feebleness of health or sickness, that includes of the soul. Sickness of the soul. Want of strength, or I'll say, an inability to understand a thing, to do things great and glorious, an inability to restrain corrupt desires, an inability to bear trials and troubles. So really, pretty encompassing of most things. And Paul's immediate reaction is to plead three times for it to be taken away from him. And I want you to remember your moments, experiencing weakness in any range of the word. Our immediate response is, take it away. And I don't want to make it sound like that is not an honest and noble and necessary prayer. I fully believe in the deliverance of God, but today I don't think that's the point. what Paul is trying to say or communicate in this part. God responds to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That word perfect, I think when we hear it, we think of moral perfection. We think of never screwing up. But the, so it's teleos and the I guess the force behind it is that it's a sense of completeness or fullness or being brought to maturity. So my power is made complete in your weakness. For me, when I have thought of this verse, I think of like these moments of me doing something stupid and like being zapped by Christ's power and my weakness dissipating, like never to be dealt with again, and I don't think that's true. I think this is a picture of our of God's power and our weaknesses being held together in tension at the same time. Both of these things being pre- present. And that's a nice thought. But what does that mean? What in the context of Christ's grace does it actually look like for our weakness and his power to go together? Because that is what Paul is saying that there is this union of my power and your weakness. And you find it in grace. And here's what I think I think it's spiritual maturity. And what I mean by that is that the journey that God takes us on and this process of growing more into the person that we've been created to be is spiritual maturity. And I read a book about this, (laughs) talking about spiritual maturity and how it works and how the person is formed and how we're transformed. And the mark of a spiritual mature person is characterized by these words. Wholeness. Endurance. Intimacy and love with God and with those around us. Wisdom. Fruitfulness. Or like that. You are producing life-giving things around those. And the cool thing about spiritual maturity is that as we become more complete in Christ and more mature in Christ, it seems to be that there's this trajectory and this process of these things being formed in us. And the amazing thing is that wherever you are is the starting point. Who I was yesterday is going to be different than who I am, who I will be a month from now. Wherever you are is fair game to start. And the other cool thing is that the trajectory is not linear. It's not a constant forward motion, a constant making of right decisions all the time. And actually, the fascinating thing about becoming more mature in Christ and what I think Paul is saying is that the best possible vehicle for this to happen is in our weaknesses. You are brought to the end of yourself in weakness, and you are the most receptive for the for Christ's power to rest on you. The things that mark us as weak have the possibility to be the most effective way to produce growth and maturity in us. And I say possibility because Lord knows it has the potential to create bitterness and anger and cynicism and entitlement. And that is all a part of the process. You fill in the blank. It is the places where we fall and where we fail, the times when people and circumstances are against us, that the power of Christ can reach things that nothing else can. One of my favorite authors and theologians is a man by the name of Richard Rohr. Does anyone know who this is? He is my guy. He is this old Franciscan priest, and he just spits gold. And (laughs) he's been incredibly formative in my life, and in my dad's life, and in the healing of my relationship with my father. So Richard Rohr is kind of a big deal to me. <laughs> and I recently read a book of his called Falling Upward, in which he, I would say, describes this process. And he talks about these two halves of life. And so he says that this first half of life, we spend a lot of our time and energy building our identities and our relationships and our religion, and then... And he doesn't discount that. That is all a part of the process. And in the second half of life, there is this realization that everything you've built isn't enough. There's something missing, and it usually involves some sort of external failure or falling or temptation. He says this, None of us go into our spiritual maturity completely of our own accord or by a totally free choice. We are led by mystery which religious people rightly call grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made complete in your weakness. And so maybe it's true that in the moment where we fall short and are actually encountering grace and the start of a new journey into the people that we were made to be, there is nothing outside of the hand of God. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul knows he is being formed and I think that when Paul says, I will gladly boast, I think he means boast. Because what, what is different about boasting in your weakness is that it is an acknowledgement of your weakness. The fullness of who you are. And it includes the things that are not pretty and that are not easy. And it includes Christ's power. It will highlight the work of God. So I think he says, boast. And I want to be very clear about hardship and weakness. And I, I would think that this resonates with most of you <laughs> and that we usually know what our weaknesses are pretty quick. But this does not mean that you need to lose your job and you need to be at rock bottom and you need to lose everything. Everything in order for spiritual maturity and God's power to be alive and at work in your life. That's why I told you about my work day. That was a moment of weakness. And let me tell you, I don't know that I would have been quiet had I not been writing this sermon. That's real talk. That was a moment of weakness, and God's power resting on me in the middle of my day. And the cool thing is, is based on what we've just talked about, even if I would've lost it, I still would've been eligible. Because there's still room for failure in the grace of God. Which, like, what? (laughs) That will never get old. Like, there is room for every part of you. So we are going to take some time and reflect on some of our weaknesses that maybe have come to mind over the course of this morning. And this might not be for everyone. For those of you who might have had those things bubble up, you know. And I would like to invite you. So there are pieces of paper on your table. And I'll have John Mark come up and just play some background music. And this is a time for us to boast in our weakness to turn to God, to ask God to show up, to acknowledge where God has shown up in your weakness, and to reflect. And there will be, this morning is communion, so what will happen is when, I'll give you a couple minutes, I'll come back up, and we'll go through communion, and you can bring those pieces of paper up, and there is a bucket there and a bucket there. So, I will pray for us. God, as these imperfections and weaknesses bubble to the surface, I ask that your spirit would be fully present and fully loving to us as we know so deeply those things. Speak to those. Thank mm-hmm. you. Friends, we are lucky that today is communion, (laughs) to come to the table, to lay something down to pick up life, to ingest it, for it to become a part of us, that grace of Christ that covers us all. At Awaken, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you are more than welcome to come to the table you want to be someone who does and have then made that first step you are welcome we are all welcome here now I'd like to read this blessing over you this is one of my favorites come to this sacred table not because you must but because you may come not to testify that you are righteous but that you sincerely love the Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak, not because you have any claim on the grace of Christ, but because of your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of his mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek his presence and pray for his spirit. This is a symbol of the things that we hold that Marcus says weak and that the power of God will rest on go in God's power this week find us online at www.eraclecommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakening community or on twitter and Awakening community see you next time